0: Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church Podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. Let's get into this. In the last several weeks, again, we started a series on giving. We called it It's All About the Heart, uh, Generosity. Now, as soon as I said giving, some of you checked out because you saw dollar signs, okay? It's not just about that. That's one facet. But that's not the only facet, okay? There's giving of yourself. There's volunteering inside the church, volunteering inside your community. Uh, There are several organizations across our area that need volunteers on a weekly basis. Why aren't we putting our time and energy into those kind of things, okay? So you can volunteer anywhere, okay? And you can be a part of that. Generosity is not just with your money, but it is a part of it. And according to biblical instructions, we owe God, okay, the first fruit, it says, of our increase. And when it comes to our increase, we're to bring to God the first fruit. So let's, let, let's talk about the money part of it real quick. You do not pay tithe. You do not give tithe. You bring tithe. Yeah. You cannot pay or give what is not yours. You can only bring it back. Okay, let, let's do this real quick. If I took your car for a month, and then one day I came to you, Let's say it was your birthday, and I packaged your keys up in a nice little gift with a bow. And I said, I'm giving you a car for your birthday. You would look at me like I'm an idiot because you're saying, but that's my car. No, 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 no. I've had it this whole time. It belongs to me. I'm now giving it to you. Would that make sense? No. So we bring, I would be bringing you your car back with a tank of gas. All right. So that is why. I understand when it talks about first fruits. That's why we—that's why we come to church on the first day of the week. You realize Sunday is still the first day of the week, and people get all wrapped around the axle when I talk about church. And it's not about that. It's—it—it's not that I expect you to be here every Sunday. I I mean, I do if you're—if you're able to be here. Okay, but if there's work, there's sickness, there's vacations, there's family issues, there's funerals, deaths, things, all kinds of things happen that pull us naturally away and those are things obviously very, very acceptable. Okay, so no one can be here except probably me every single Sunday of the year. Okay, and that's... And even I'm not here every single Sunday of the year. I've, I've missed a couple Sundays with my wife being ill and being sick. She's not here today because of this. Uh, and there's vacations. There's all kinds of things. And so I'm very, very reasonable about that. And I don't, I don't get wrapped around the and I don't want you to. But if you can be in the house of God, you should be. You should be, okay? And so this is why we come to the house of God on the first day of the week. Because it's giving our first fruits. And that's why we tithe. And, and I am very, very, very... Uh, I'm firm on this as far as my life goes, is that I tithe on my gross. I do not tithe on my net. I do not tithe on after my 401k. If you're tithing after your 401k, you're not tithing on your first fruits. You're not tithing on what God's already given you. Because the fact of the matter is, if you do your 401k right, you will never outlive your 401k. Which means it will go away and it will never be tithed on. Okay? So you should be given the first fruits of your Gross, your, your increase, it says. All right? And so we tithe of our time to the service of the Lord. We give God everything we possibly can. And if this bothers you, then perhaps you've gotten over being saved. This messes with your brain. You're probably, like, I don't know about all that. It's because you've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. Okay? Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the What? Go ahead and say it. The Bible said it. It's not me. The Word has said it. The first fruits of all. Everyone say all. All. Your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. We like that, don't we? And your vats will be bursting with wine. So now I'm going to finish this series today with this. It's not law. It's life. It's life. You see, the moment I sit there and try to tell you something's a law, you're going to tighten up on me, right? Because nobody wants to be told what to do. Bless God. Come on, man, you know when your wife says, Babe, take out the trash. No, I'll show her to take it out the trash. <laughs> right? We don't like to be told what to do. And so if I go and tell you it's a law, you're going to freak out on me. Okay? And it's not a law, it's life. And first, let me say this. I wrote this message a year ago and did not preach it to you. Okay? I didn't minister this to you. I let this one stay on the burner for almost an entire year. I wrote it at the end of January last year. And so I don't want you to be tempted to think that this is a result of any conversation that I've had or any situation I've been in. It's not. This is something I wrote a year ago. It's something I studied a year ago. And this is a part that I wanted to add it to this series. Now, number one, you need to be taking notes on this. There are 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. Five. There are 500 verses or so that concern faith directly. But there are more than 2,000 verses of Scripture on the subject of wealth. Jesus talked about it, 16 out of 38 parables. So clearly, from a biblical standpoint, we need to understand how to handle our wealth, how to handle our resources, how to handle our time. How many feel like you never have time? How many would like to create margins? Absolutely. Only about four of you. Great. That's awesome. We're going to make a great church. So this is a clear, clear biblical standpoint of which he bases a lot of scripture off of. And why? It's because wealth or money is a test from God. And how we handle our lives reveals our priorities, our loyalties, and our affections. And it directly dictates to many of us our blessings that we will or will not experience on how we handle our time, how we handle our volunteering, how we handle our tithing and our offering and our giving, or how we handle with the opportunity to give when you're standing in line and someone is having to put stuff back because they can't afford it. Anybody ever seen that? What did you do? I hope you said, no, 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 put that back. Put it all together. I got you. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. So, for the record, it's not about the preacher needing money. God's blessed me. God's taken care of my needs. I am a tither on my gross. I am a giver. I'm an offering giver. I bless people. I'll sit in restaurants and if I see officers walk in and sit down or, or, or first responders, period, I'll take care of their meal and they'll never know it's me. Why? Because I want to be a giver. I want to be a blessing to my community. I want to help everybody I possibly can. And as far as I'm concerned, no one in our church better be going through a foreclosure right now without us stepping in and trying to help or a repossession. No one should lose a house, a car, lose your electric, your gas, your water because you're going through a hard time. We need to know about it. And the people of God need to meet that need. Well, we give, to give good money after bad. No, 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 no. That's not for you to judge. It's for us to have the opportunity to give, to bless, and counsel through the bad times. Because every one of us have been there, have we not? Anybody ever been through a tight spot? No, not that you didn't, couldn't buy a cheeseburger. But you couldn't pay your electric bill? Couldn't make a house payment in time? Had to wait 15 days and had to work it out with a... Yeah. Anybody have missed a car payment? No? Don't lie to me. You have. God said 16 different times that the firstborn or the first fruit belonged to Him. And it's a scriptural concept throughout the Bible. I've made mention of one of the most common arguments in, in the last couple weeks that people present when they don't want to tithe and that is this. Get ready. Tithing is a part or under the law. And I'm no longer living under the law. I'm living under grace. Let's talk about that. Say this with me. I don't tithe because it's law. I tithe because it's life. For those of us that don't tithe, that it, it was hard to say, wasn't it? It's was kind of tough. You see, tithing was never under the law. You can't find it anywhere in Scripture. In fact, it predates the law by several hundred if not thousands of years. In fact, tithing was first recorded when Abel gave the firstborn of his flock and Cain did not. You see, tithing continued from there during Abraham's time when he tithed till Melchizedek, a representation of Jesus Christ in Genesis 14 and also in Hebrews chapters 5 through 7. So watch this. The first fruits, the firstborn, the tithing principle is actually before Cain and Abel and how God told, Cain, or told Adam and Eve, do not touch the one tree, but you can have everything else. So they tithed the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So tithing was never under the law, it was never mandated by the law, it was actually predates, it predates the law. And look what happened when they finally touched that tree, this, everything we are, because they touched the tree and that curse has always been there. Now, he gave them stewardship, responsibility over the entire garden. And so today, he does the same thing when he talks about our increase. When we tithe, we demonstrate faithful stewardship of our resources that he's provided us. So let's talk about this law question, okay? If something was right, let's just say it was the law, if something was right under the law, is it now wrong under grace? Don't answer out loud. If it was right, under the law, is it now wrong? Under grace, so let's say this: You invite me over to your house, and while we're eating dinner, I notice in the family room there is a beautiful eighty-two-inch flat-screen curved Samsung. That's my size, if anybody was wondering. I'm not sure where I'd put it in my camper right now, but it would, you know, it would look good. Um, <laughs> and I, I start admiring it. and It's 4K LED. And it's awesome. And I ask you about it. Yeah, I well, was given to me for a birthday or Christmas present. Okay, good. Well, man, I'm gonna take off now. All right. And so I go to the family room and I start unhooking that Joker. <laughs> and I pick it up off the, the wall and I and I put and you start. You what are you doing? Well, I'm. I'm just taking your 4K, 82-inch, flat-screen, curved TV. But that's mine. I know. But that's stealing. No, man, stealing's under the law. I now live under grace. (laughs) All of a sudden, now the law comes into play in our lives now, doesn't it? What would you do? I know it's a rhetorical question, but, I mean, come on, think about it. You would stop me and you'd say, I can't. Man... You can't do that. Yeah, I can. I'm under grace. I'm no longer under the law. I can do whatever I want to do. No, 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 no. You see, tithing was never replaced according to Scripture. Giving of our resources was never replaced according to Scripture. Volunteering was never replaced because you got saved. Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it did not say where your heart is, there will your treasure be. It's quite the opposite. Why? Because many of us live this way. Our hearts follow what we treasure. And that's why tithing represents a test. That's why giving represents a test. That's why giving of our time, volunteering at the church, volunteering at the different centers across our community, that's why it is a test for every Christian. Here's why. Watch this. Tithing literally means tenth. You've heard this. you heard me say this before. Or a tenth part. Now watch this. Many of the things that the number 10, remember tithing means 10, tithing means tenth or the tenth part. Many things in scripture that the number 10 represents is testing. Let me ask you this. How many plagues were in Egypt to test Pharaoh? Ten. How many commandments are there? Ten. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times was Jacob tested in his wages being changed while working for Laban? Ten. How many days was Daniel tested in the chapter of the book of Daniel? In many chapters in the book of Daniel? Ten. Matthew 25. You'll find ten versions that had preparedness tested. Revelations 2:10 actually means 10 days of testing. Jesus had 10 disciples. No, he had 12. I was testing you. <laughs> So throughout the Bible, tithing, the 10th part, is, is the ultimate heart test. Now, Malachi 3a, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. He didn't say give it to the person on the street, give it to the widow, give it to someone at the supermarket. No, tithing is to be brought to the house of God the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Is it possible to rob God? Absolutely it is. By not bringing the tithe, the first fruits to him, you're robbing God. So take the test. And here's the thing. This is the only place in scripture that God gives you permission in which to test him. So take the challenge. Test God. Now, law versus grace. Here we go. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, and I do not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. So the law never went away, people. He says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not one dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, the argument that that says I am under the law, therefore I don't have to tithe anymore, does not know their Bible. And for that, those that want to talk about only generosity and not tithing also doesn't know their Bible. The verse of Scripture clearly points out this, the first First, the law didn't go anywhere, and that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the law or pick up where the law leaves off. Because every time Jesus pointed to an old covenant law, then he would say something that set a higher standard. For instance, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 says, What? Do not commit murder. Jesus, under grace, says, Don't even be angry with your brother. Matthew 5. How about the verse of Scripture in the Ten Commandments that says, Do not commit adultery. So try this, gentlemen. Honey, I am no longer under the law. I am under grace. So therefore... <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Kevin. Easy, buddy. So if we follow that logic, I am no longer under the law, but under the grace. So you give according to grace? Yes, I give according to grace, okay? Then that means you do more than 10%. Grace always does more than the law, if tithing were under the law. Let's talk about Abraham, Melchizedek, Mich- and then us. Genesis 14, 18. We're getting through this quickly. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out brine, uh, bread and wine, he was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered who was your enemies in your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Folks, this was before the law. So Tithing isn't a matter of law. It's a principle that God set starting at the garden. This took place 430 years before tithing was a part or discussed in the Mosaic law. Abraham tied to Melchizedek. According to Scripture, Melchizedek was a type of Uh, type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Some say that it was Jesus himself. Some scholars do, but whatever your take is on that, his title included, watch this, King of Righteousness, King of Peace, and so you can see the correlation here. Hebrews 5 and 9 said, Being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And in Hebrews 7, the entire chapter is devoted to stating that Jesus was the type and shadow of or embodied in Melchizedek. Okay, and so Hebrews 7:1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. In verse 2, and to him Abraham, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is the first, watch this, he is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also the king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So we see Abraham, our spiritual father, tithe to him. Notice with me Hebrews 7 8. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, of whom it is testified that he lives, talking about Jesus. So according to this verse, Jesus receives tithes in heaven. And when we tithe, you're not giving it to a church. You're giving it to Jesus. And you need to know that. The tithe, by the way, does not belong to me. I have no right to it. I'll let you think on that a minute. It is holy, though. Leviticus 27.30, every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy means separated and set apart. In other words, it is to be separated unto God and it is not for me to determine what to do with it. When I tithe, I don't put on there, you better give this to so-and-so. You better give it to this department or that department. No, I give it unto the Lord and allow the work of the ministry of the church to appropriate it in the right place. Now, just in case you're wondering, the New Testament isn't silent on the matter. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Everyone say, hypocrites. Hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And that's where non-tithers go, yes, they got them. See, there it is. Tithing isn't all that. Hold on. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. That's what you've neglected. These you have ought to have done without neglecting the tithe. That's what it says. Without neglecting the others. He never said that you didn't have to tithe. He said, yes, you got the first part right, but you neglected the other things too. Jesus affirmed tithing here in Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring according to the promise. Abraham tithe, he's our spiritual father, so therefore we ought to tithe. I want our church to be blessed. And that's why I'm teaching this. And that's why I'm, I'm and it's the same reason I teach on baptism. Why? Because I want your sins to be washed away. Come on. I teach on the infilling of the Holy Spirit because why? I want you full of His Spirit. And we're okay with that, aren't we? Anybody want to be full of His Spirit? Come on. Well, man, that's shocking. Okay, y'all better get ready. We got Tony Suarez coming in in February. He's going to rock your boots off when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Now, come on. How many wants to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord? Oh, absolutely. How many wants to be baptized in His name and washed of your sins? How many wants to be, according to Scripture, in a right-standing relationship with God? Do you want that? Yes! We all do, right? Right? But guess what? It's in the same Bible as tithing. Amen. Shoot not the messenger. That's Jason chapter one, verse one. Second Chronicles thirty-one, four. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priest and the Levites that they may give them give themselves to the law of the Lord. And as soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of cattle and sheep and the tithe of dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and laid them in heaps In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest who was of the house of Zodak, answered him and said, Since they begin to bring contributions into the house of the Lord, we have eaten and had enough and had plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this large amount left. You see, when God's people began to tithe, God began to bless them so much that they had room enough not to receive it. They couldn't eat it all. And the more they gave to the Lord, the more they had. The more they had, the more they gave until there was so much left. Everyone had what they needed. Let me ask you something right here. Does anybody have a financial need in this house right now? Don't be ashamed. Wow, we're a blessed church. Okay, I'll I'll, I I I have a financial need. I got more insurance and hospital bills than I ever dreamed of having right now. Thousands upon thousands of dollars that I'm waiting to find out if I owe or don't owe, but I know they're going to come after me pretty quick. So much for building a house. Could you imagine being in a place as a church where no matter what the need was in the house, we heard about it and we just went and took care of it? Churches don't do that. This church will. This church will. Why I'm sick and tired of the preachers living in big homes and fancy cars, let me caution you real quick. That's the spirit of mammon on you. Come on. Now, I ask myself the question, when is enough enough? And right now, a 33-foot travel trailer is enough. I'm okay with that. April? Eh, I'm still working on her. <laughs> How do you know that those very people that you're talking about have not given abundantly somewhere. And here's the thing. Even if they hadn't, you think God's not big enough to handle their stuff? Because according to Scripture, they may have it here on this earth, but they may not have it after. Okay? So be careful when you're judging. Be careful when Pastor John Gray buys his wife a Lamborghini and everybody gets just... I rate about it. Be careful. Be careful. With the same judgment you mete out. Be the same judgment measured back to you. Be careful. Is it appropriate? I don't know. Maybe it is for him. Maybe it is for their church, for their situation. I don't know. Would I ever buy a Lamborghini? No. But I would buy an F two fifty jacked up on some serious thirty five inches with four wheel drive. <laughs> and some of you going, well, that's too much. I, yep, yeah, I, God's still working. All right, let's wrap this up real quick. Don't y'all don't move just yet. Hang on. Acts four thirty two. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and when they said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had, they, or excuse me, and no one said that anything that the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. This is Acts now. were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that we got such a spirit of generosity that the stuff we didn't need, we sold. And the stuff that even maybe we thought we wanted, we went ahead and sacrificed and sold anyway. We brought it to the house of God only to put those who had not in new homes. Those who had no vehicle that was worth anything, give them a vehicle. you saying, preacher, are you trying to get... Listen, this is convicting me. And right now, I probably live in the smallest house in the entire church. Okay, so I'm in a good position to talk about this right now. Okay? I want you to stand. I want to get to the place where I never hear of a physical need again in our church. Because we're so blessed. Can we get there? Yes. And that is the heartbeat of our church. We can get there to meet every single need of every person in the house financially, physically, mentally and spiritually. Amen. How many want to see that happen? Genesis 28:22, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all of that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. You see Jacob, Jacob's tithing wasn't a response to law. It was a response to a grateful heart and one that was wrapped in generosity because he met the Lord for the first time and he was enamored with him. He had a sweet experience of God's presence and the goodness of his favor at that point. And his only natural response was that of giving back to God what was already his and then some. And so in closing today, it's not law, people. Giving to God is life. It's life. And what I felt in my spirit for many, many months and in all of last year and into this year is that God is about to release the windows of heaven to those who want to grab a hold of this and do not withhold from God. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, provision is coming if, if we grab this concept and give back to God the first thing, the first fruit, the firstborn. The only question that's left to be asked is, are you ready? Are you ready to experience His power? Are you ready to experience a level in your walk with God that you have never known? Perhaps you've been living for God for 40 years and you've never gotten this concept. 2020 would be a really good year to try that. Test God. And finally, there are three types of giving that I am praying specifically about this third one in my life one I'll tell you about in just a moment the first giving is that of tithes and according to all studies only 1.7% of Christians actually tithe 1.7% and do you believe that the Christian church is doing great things in our world? On 1.7%. The second area of giving is offerings. Nowhere does it say that offerings have to come into the church. It says tithing goes into the church. But offerings can happen in the supermarket line. Offerings can happen when you find out your neighbor has a need and you go over and you meet that need. That is an offering unto the Lord. Funny story, every time I go and eat fast food, you know, I'm paying for food, right? But when I go to Chick fil A, I'm not paying, I'm giving an offering. You know, they're such spiritual folk. I feel like I'm giving an offering, you know. So thank you, Lord. So every time you go to Popeyes and buy that chicken sandwich, it is. Don't do it. Give your offering to Chick fil A. (laughs) Someone's excited. Chick fil A's closed today, bud. See, they're spiritual people. Popeye's that demon place. Yes, they're open. (laughs) Folks get shot in parking lots like Popeye's. They just don't want to. So the first area is tithing. The second area is offerings. But the third area, something that we have never approached as a church, except for a few people. There's been a few. There's been one or two. And that is the area of extravagant offerings you see most preaching you'll never hear of this because most Christians never get past number one we just don't we don't even make it to number one you see King David gave extravagantly to the Lord for his son to build the temple in fact if in today's dollars King David gave 21 billion dollars Solomon then gave massively also. In fact, tradition was to sacrifice one bull for being set up as the new king. Solomon gave 1,000 bulls. That's a lot of ribeyes. In Luke 21.2, it says, a certain poor widow gave two mites into the offering that day. It says that she gave all that she had. That was an extravagant offering. You see, it's not about the amount it's about the heart you see for some in this building a hundred dollars right now might be an extravagant gift for some a hundred thousand would be an extravagant gift preacher are you trying to pull from no I'm not I'm not doing that I'm just talking you through this In Genesis 22, another extravagant gift was made on the hilltop that would later become Jerusalem. Abraham offered his only son to God. And that same hilltop became Jerusalem and became the same place where 2,000 years later, God would then follow it up with another extravagant gift. And that is he gave his only begotten son to all of humanity. Should we offer any less? I want you to stand today. If you're a first-time guest with us, I I don't apologize for his word. I apologize that this is the first sermon of our church you had to hear. Okay? come back next Sunday I promise you you're going to enjoy it we're going to go into three weeks of soul detox we're going to talk about our soul talk about detoxing ourselves from all of the cultural things of life that's been happening around us And we're going to go deep into his word and we're going to really just wrestle with that getting clean before God so please please don't 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 judge us or judge our church based on today this, this is this is some house cleaning here that we have to do and for those who are members of the church this is the last time you'll hear me say it this year yeah, we'll we'll tell you to give, tell you to tithe, tell you to give offering, but this is the last this is the last you'll hear a sermon on it this year. If you have a problem with what has been said today, first I want to say it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset at you. I I I I'm not gonna come over bless God, you know. Listen, if you think I'm wrong and you can prove it to me, you can show me Scripture, I am more than willing to sit down with you and open up the Word of God and rightly divide His Word and let you show me where I'm wrong. And if I am wrong, I promise you, I'll get up before the congregation and I'll admit it. I have no problem saying where I'm wrong. Our team knows i do that. Our board knows I'll do that. I can learn from anything and anybody. But I would also challenge you that if you do come and you do see where you're wrong, that you also change. And that you also challenge yourself to step into that area of blessing that maybe you have not yet stepped into. I want to see our church blessed. I want to see our church be able to do amazing things for 2020. But let me end with this. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi, at the end of Malachi, starts 400 years of silence to the people of God. And in Malachi the Lord specifically through his prophets, speaks of Jesus coming and He kept, and he's telling them guys get ready Jesus is coming the Messiah is coming the one that's going to take away the sins of the world yeah that guy the one you've already heard about and all the prophets before me he's coming and what was the last thing that he told them they needed to do in order to prepare for his coming and if they didn't do it they would not be prepared for, they would not receive him what was it? Malachi 3, return to me all that you've stolen in tithes and offerings so you'll be able to receive him. I don't believe that, preacher. Go read it for yourself. It's there. It's right there. Read any version you want to read. It's there. And here's here's what's amazing. The Jews did not listen. So when the Messiah came, the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted nothing to do with him. So much so, you know, they played into the hand of God. But so much so that they killed him. They killed him. But yeah, but that was the plan of God. Yes, it was. But guess who jumped on the bandwagon according to Jesus? The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. He was talking about the Gentile people who this message was not for us. They took it with everything in them and they said, I'll give. I'll volunteer. I'll never get over being saved. I'll never give get over getting, being forgiven of my sin and, and being able to come to an altar and pour my heart out before Him. I will never get over that. And the kingdom of heaven suddenly ripped out of the hands of God's chosen people in order that the people of God, the remnant of men, according to Acts 15, might be saved. That's us. That's us. And so today, I want to see our church blessed. I want to see our church reinvigorated for 2020. I want to see God do amazing miracles and signs and wonders. I want to hear preaching like I've never heard it. I want to have evangelistical preaching. I want to have teaching like today. I want to go deep in His Word of God like it's never been done before. Are you ready for that? Come on, are you ready for that? you enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like to know more, please visit www.revivify.church.